0: If we can bring two people together in this place of, of total intimacy, of loving, fierce intimacy, then it not only heals their hearts, but I think it heals a lineage in some cases, and I think that ripples out and heals the world. And that's, that's why I do this work. It's because there's that thing at the end. There's that healing of the world at the end.
1: By and large, when I first started diving into the realm of men's work, or at least men's work through some of these more formal containers, what I realized is it was only in person. It was only through retreats or live workshops. And Let me just say straight up, there is no substitute for in-person work. The connection you can feel, the energy that you can feel with the person in front of you, uh, the eye contact you can make, there's no substitute for that. But let me just say from my own honest experience, and as this has been going on more and more, and men's work is growing around the world, I've been genuinely surprised at the power of some of these virtual containers. And again, there is no substitute for in-person. However, it has blown me away in my own experience, both leading these things, but even more importantly, as a participant, having participated in multiple men's online programs and, and learned through that medium, I'm continually surprised and amazed at the level of connection, at the level of depth and growth uh, and feedback that can be harnessed in some of these virtual containers which is why to make some of my work more available to men in the world, I wanted to create something unique, something that was uniquely, um, let's just say my style of some of the tools, techniques, philosophies that has helped me over the years and really create something very special. And that is my new program called The Path to Inspired Action, empowering the authentic man, Within, And we are kicking off that program. There is a six-week option and a 10-week option starting October 1st. If you're interested, go ahead and click the link in the show notes where you can find out more information. I hope to see you there. Welcome to The Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. Today on the show, we're joined by Ted Ryder. Now, Ted is a certified embodiment and sexual polarity teacher And among many other things, he's also a relationship coach, men's work trainer, and spiritual leader with over 30 years experience in guiding both individuals and couples in their relationships. He's known for his playful, deep, and heart-centered approach. And I first got to meet Ted about more or less a year ago. And it was actually during an interview call for one of John Wineland's programs. Now, John Wineland is world-renowned in his work with intimacy, sexual polarity, and men's work. And on that interview call, come to find out, Ted lives only 15 minutes from my home. And so in a short amount of time, he's done a little bit of coaching work for Lauren and I, and I've also joined his men's circle which is called his Wisdom Circle. And it's a small group of men. It's been such a powerful experience and supportive experience for myself. In today's episode, we go into the topic of men's work, but more specifically, what is missing most commonly in the men's work that we see and experience today? Then we also go into the power of real feedback, We dive into the topic of trust and intimacy, and what are the three things needed to have a very powerful and connected intimate relationship. I hope you enjoy today's show and do stay to the end because Ted has been kind enough to include a free gift for you. Let's get right into the show. Something that you shared in our group, your wisdom circle the other night, just really spoke to me, and it was out of all the work that you've done over the years, there's one big piece as it relates to men's work that you saw as a missing element that you've really explored and stepped into, and that's the realm of embodiment work. Mm. And so to kind of kick things off, I'd love to hear your experience and how did you come to that conclusion and what is embodiment to you?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question. And to be clear, that was introduced to me. Okay. It wasn't just that I pulled it out of the sky and said, oh, I should embody this stuff. But after years of... Of deep, deep inner work, spiritual inner work, prayer, meditation, um, different therapeutic methods, uh, just sheer willpower, <laughs> journaling, you know, all these different things that, that uh, had been presented to me that I'd, I'd come upon, trying to make shifts was, was possible certainly with a with a, a system called ontological coaching. So who we're being in the world, how we how we show up rather than what we're doing. And and they were all made big, big changes, but there was still something missing. And and the missing thing was they hadn't retrained my body. And it never really occurred to me. It's something that I learned from John Wineland, um, my who's been my primary teacher for the last number of years. And it's the idea that our body holds a story. Our body has a memory. And and it carries trauma. It carries all kinds of things. It carries real beauty. But the only way to make real lasting changes is to, to work our nervous system so that we show up differently. I think one great example is when I go back into my family of origin... As perhaps you, a lot of people do, we drop back into our younger self, mm. right, or whatever age we are. But but all of a sudden, we're the youngest child <laughs> at the table, right? All of a sudden, we you know my mother takes this role, my father takes this role, my sister takes this role, and even though I'm there with my own wife, I still drop into that that childhood place, and and I recognized this a couple years ago that I don't necessarily want to show up. That way anymore in my family.
2: Mm.
0: That I was doing all these great things in the world, and I was coming home and feeling kind of like this little kid. And I recognized that it wasn't an intellectual thing, right? It wasn't that I could just kind of convince myself about it, but I had to actually practice stepping forward. I had to practice, like, what does my body feel like? What's all the, what are all the chemicals and the energies running through my body when I step up and I have these feelings of, oh, like, I'm this little kid? And how can I stay in that moment long enough and breathe through the moment or move through the moment so that my body relaxes?
2: Mm.
0: And I can come forward as the you know, 55-year-old guy that I am rather than the 5-year-old kid that I was. So embodiment work is taking all that, all those great things that we learn through books and and presentations and Instagram memes and all those (laughs) things and actually shifting it through our body so our body shows up differently.
1: Wow. I love that that analogy and that example because that came up even in the wisdom circle about something that I very much relate to you know there's we have these historical relationships and that's also why what i've seen in myself and even in the men's work it's like sometimes you go to these retreats or these experiences they can be incredibly powerful incredibly the connection the depth mm-hmm. the openness all of that and one of the biggest challenges is when we go home and we're returning back to a similar environment with people who maybe or were not there mm-hmm. who know us in a certain way Who know exactly how to like touch those buttons? Um, So, with that said, if someone wanted to practice this, whether they had an opportunity to join a men's circle or not, is there anything that you might be able to share of how, like, practically, someone might be able to practice some of this stuff on their own or anything like that?
0: Sure. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because I think you're exactly right. People go to these events and they're supercharged. Yeah. Like. I got this down. Right. <laughs> right. And we see them across the room. We're like, yeah, they feel good. Like that guy's gonna rock this world. Yeah. And then we get a note later on, like, oh, I totally collapsed. Right. My wife questioned me, my child questioned me, my boss questioned me, whatever it is, I totally collapsed. And so we want to take a practice or create a practice that we can move into on a regular basis. So it becomes part of our morning routine. We get up, mm. and the first thing we do is uh, we do a breath exercise. And so I like to pull from different martial arts. I like to pull from different different yogic practices. And they all have something in common, which is they they stress our body a little bit.
2: Mm.
0: There's some beautiful relaxing yogic practices. Love those, right? Those typically don't change our makeup. So sometimes bringing people into uh, deep deep breath work. I mean, we know words like Wim Hof now, right? He made uh, some Tibetan breath work really famous these days. Uh, But there's all kinds of different breaths, three-part breaths. There are something we call Russian breath, something we call a vase breath. And they're all just different words for how we're bringing air into our body, into our lungs, but also into the extremities of our body, maybe even our auric body. And so, if we have something that we're working on, maybe I want to show up as the more powerful, loving man that I am without crumpling. It might simply be getting them into a a Qigong pose Hmm. where they're, you know, a nice horse stance and they have this deep breath going. And the key is not to pop out. Let me get out of my body. This is really difficult. (sighs) Right? Not to pop out and go somewhere else, but to stay in there. And sometimes I like to bring in other concepts that I'm working on. You know, I can hold this pose. Right? If my daughter needed me to hold this pose for an hour, I'd hold the pose for an hour. No problem. If I can hold that for an hour, then I can hold that, that pose of loving power. When that person walks in the room, who kind of scares me, mm. right? It kind of intimidates me. That boss who I always feel like, ooh, you know, what's he gonna say? Or, or my partner, like, oh, like, is she, how is she feeling today? Is she gonna be, like, am I gonna be able to hold that pose? Having said that, um, one thing we we sometimes see after a men's group is men who are who are kind of holding the pose, which they think is rock solid, which it is. It's the mountain, right? It's the base of the tree. And they're not showing anything. Hmm. And their partners are like, are are you in there? (laughs) Right. So what we really want to teach people is that grounding, holding the pose with the heart open. So they're still connected with the people who are walking in the room. So if the partner, the other person, whoever it is, is mad, the stock market went mad, right? The hurricane off the coast is mad, whatever it is. We're able to both be grounded and present and feeling them. And I think that's the thing a lot of men miss in men's work. It's like, no, I got the solidity. That's great, but you lost everything else. So how do we stay solid? How do I train my body to stay solid and also be open and receptive?
1: Is that why you know in in last week's or two weeks ago, whatever it was, in the men's circle, we were doing that um, chi generator, just like what you're saying. You're holding like Mm -hmm. a beach ball, and Mm -hmm. you're holding that position, and we're struggling. But what was interesting was I hadn't done it with another man in front of me. It's very different because I've I've taken one of John's programs where he introduces that pose. Mm -hmm. And very challenging and like following the audio and working with it, like really powerful, but totally different when you're making eye contact with someone and you're looking in their left eye and and you're talking. And when you said about your daughter or about your son, Mm -hmm. like, could you go more? Mm -hmm. When you said that, when I was going through it and struggling, it was such an aha for me because it was like, there's so much more. Yeah. Like at first I yeah. thought I had hit a wall and, and the stories and like, oh, this is uncomfortable, whether it's the pose or looking at someone. And then as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, there's way more in me than yeah. I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think there's a,
0: I think it's the Marine Corps who has the 40% value. Mm. And they say that when you've, you feel really tapped out, like I can't give anymore, you've actually only given about 40%. Wow. I may have attributed this wrong. Those might be the wrong numbers, but, but that's the, the sentiment that you've only actually given a part. And when you start recognizing that, like, oh, my shoulders are burning like fire, right? Or I, or even just the eye gazing, right? Is, is uncomfortable for me. Realize that you've only actually given a small amount. You've given 40%. And one of the beauties, I think, of men's work in community, as opposed to just, let's read the book, um, or even sign up for a program online and just watch the video, doing it with other men, what we do is we create a a loving challenge. Hmm. And I, I think I've already brought the word love in a number of times, which is not what a lot of men's leaders talk about, but I think it's so important, so critical. We're getting men together in a circle to call the best out of each other. Like, I, I see the greatness in you. And so I'm going to hold this pose a little longer. And through my energy, I'm going to hold you up. But through my energy, also I'm also going to challenge you to bring more. Like, yeah. Like, I'm not going to settle for you tapping out. Because I know you can do more. Not because you owe me something. Which is one of the beauties of, of a men's group. Like, you don't owe me anything. But I know you got more. And I'm here to support you in that.
1: Wow. I remember in that night when someone did collapse mm. and you called, you didn't call that person up in that moment, but you called its partner up. I did. And said, I think that was you, wasn't it? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was someone no. else. <laughs> uh, but I, re- I remember, <laughs> and you're like, he's collapsing because you it somehow didn't hold him to that or didn't, yeah. didn't meet him. And another thing that I'm noticing, and it's on the same light that I think has been, for me at least, Super unique mm-hmm. uh, in terms of stepping into this work and the way that you guys lead it, and it's inspired me in many ways, is the focus on feedback. Mm-hmm. And that was something like because most of the in this realm, most of the quote feedback that I had been accustomed to or had experienced really came just via a shame based projection. Mm-hmm and just the way and I'd love for you to share on the the importance and like the skill in which you offer feedback or invite that into the container to where it does sharpen but it doesn't necessarily deflate like there's a very different energy so can you yeah. share about that a little bit?
0: That's a great question. Um, feedback is not easy. And I you know most of us learn feedback from our parents. Mm. Right? This is how they gave feedback which was super loving and soft, and maybe we didn't get anything out of it. Right? Or it was really super critical and really you know, banging right into you, and we didn't get anything out of it. Right? We shut off somehow. Um, and then there's lots of beautiful you know, things in between as well. But most of us don't learn how to give good feedback. We speak too much, or we start telling our story and projecting, um, or it's just not sharp. And so with feedback, we want to, to refine in people is how can I be succinct and give you what I got? And what I'll often say pe- to people is, hey, like, if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. Hmm. And feedback from one person might be a lot of projection. But when you're getting a similar feedback from a couple people, you got to start listening to it. There's Find that truth. Where are they right? In this. So one of the things we want to do with projection is notice okay, what's happening in my body? As you're giving the feedback or when, or, when you're speaking, when you're teaching, when you're doing something that I'm going to give feedback to, what's happening in my body? Hmm. Am I bored? Have I checked out? Am I anxious? And so first tune into that. What's happening in my body? What's my what's my own soma? What's my own embodied experience? of this right now. And I don't necessarily need to tell you, hey, I'm really scared. I'm really intimidated. It might be helpful, but but it's just a knowing like, okay, here's where I am. Now, what would be the most helpful to you? The most helpful thing to you is going to be something that you can understand, that you can get just like that. So... One thing I love about how you create podcasts hmm. is you share this this love and interest in getting to know what the other person is bringing. Hmm. That's my feedback. <laughs>
1: yeah. Super useful, concise, yeah. and also in the way that you share it, mm-hmm. it's felt. Mm-hmm. And that's another piece, too, that in the feedback that we give in the circle and that we kind of organize or that, that everyone contributes to, it's really interesting because a part of the feedback, which was very new to me as well, is, so if I'm sharing a challenge or I'm sharing a, a win or whatever it is, if I'm sharing, and as it's being received and what I'm sharing to the group, I felt you most when. Yeah. And like that's been so helpful for me, and in those, like, oftentimes what we share isn't exactly what's 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 actually going on, right? Right. It's a story, but what's underneath that, and what's underneath that, and what's underneath that, and through the feeling of how it's shared, and so there might be certain words where we might notice in another man. I noticed that you looked down mm-hmm. or that you collapsed or your your voice trembled. Right. And so even just sharing how it was experienced has been so transformative for me. So that's been a big piece in terms of how you lead that I was like, man, that's that's really sharpening me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So where I feel you most right now is, I don't know what they're picking up on camera, but when your whole body opens up, mm. Right? There are there are times where you, even just in this last one, like you you, know, you speak I I speak with my hands too, so <laughs> so there's a way of collapsing. There's a way of being that solid, uber masculine. Who's <laughs> not going to move any right right? But then there's the there's the beauty of the flow of it. Like this is where I feel you, and I feel you when you pull your shoulders back. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel you the most. I love that. And so then we can also have. So that's super helpful feedback to get, I think, right? Something that I love what you're doing. And the the part that goes with that, the compliment to that is, and here's what I want more of. I would want more direct questions. That might be it. Hmm. You know, the person next to me might say, I'd want to feel you rooted down into your body. Right? The person next to them might say, I want to see you laugh more, right? And so all of these are helpful feedback, right? But then you get to them, think to yourself or even say aloud, okay, here's where you're right. Yeah, I could smile more. Or he wants more smile, but that's him. mm. Like I don't, just because he wants it doesn't mean I have to give it. Right Because he might be wanting it for his own childhood woundings, right? because maybe you look like his father, and he never saw his father smile, right <laughs> so he needs to see you smile or something like that. He so he might be uncomfortable with you not showing whatever he wants you to show.
1: how can you how can you decipher? What is actual, is there a way when you're either receiving or how can you better like decipher what is an actual projection coming from something in the past or a wounding versus something that's actually clean, clear, and really from a pla- from a different place?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have a formula for it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure I have a formula for it. But there are a couple things that I think we should keep in mind. One is, how did that land for me? Mm -hmm. So we were doing a practice the other night and we were offering different things and we could see when someone's body changed, right? We were giving feedback and all of a sudden there was like a, oh, like there was a relaxation in their body. There was an alertness in their body. So one is to check in on your own. You know, when I said something about sharp questions or rooted in your legs or a smile, your body shifted. Hmm. Yeah. So there was one in there, two actually in there, where you're like, oh, okay. And then some will fall flat. So I said earlier, if a bunch of people are saying the same thing, you should mm-hmm. probably look into it. But the other is just note, here's what my body is telling me about this. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, the third one. I get that he wants me to smile. And I understand that there's a certain number of people in the world that want me to smile. But that's not actually the image I want for, you know, at this podcast. It's not how I want to walk through life. Or maybe I'm working on not smiling so much because a smile is my escape. Mm. So I might purposefully be, you know, checking like, is this just nervous smiling, <laughs> right, or nervous laughter? And if so, am I okay with it? Great, keep it. If I'm not okay with it, oh, maybe it's something I want to work on. One of the first practices that I did when I started working on embodiment, I don't think John gave it to me, but it came out of one of the calls. He may have given it to someone else. I don't know what it was. We were talking about hands in front pockets. Hands in front pockets, okay. Yeah. I used to walk with my hands in my front pockets. I started as an adult. It wasn't a kid thing. Somewhere along the line, I started walking around with my hands in my front pockets. And I remember it being in, in, um, in the financial district in San Francisco and thinking, what if I don't walk with my hands in my pockets? And do I want to be the guy who always walks with hands in his pockets? Because what's the message that sends out? The message that sends out is, you know, maybe my hands are cold. Right. That could be. <laughs> but, but it also might send out the message that, that I'm really uncomfortable being here
2: hmm.
0: or I have something to hide or I don't feel safe or I'm just kind of like, I, if I could crawl into my own pocket, I would. And what if I just experimented taking my hands out of my pocket? And for me it was a great, a great experiment. So that you know, that third guy who maybe said, Hey, you should smile more, try it out. Because all of these things are just really practices. Is it working? Is it not working? What works for me may work for you. I'll give it my best shot.
1: But it may not. Wow. I remember uh, kind of a funny side note, but when you said that. Uh, a dear mentor of mine, Ivan Ivanov. He was. Uh, he's the inventor of that Bulgarian bag. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he always. I've seen you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's. He was an Olympian for Bulgaria. Was one of the U.S. Olympic coaches, and he always, if he sees any of his athletes hands in the pockets, he like just doesn't ream them. But he's just like no hands in the pockets. Never around because yeah. for him, kind of relates like it. It. um It doesn't show a readiness or a willingness to Mm -hmm. like participate and to be, to uh, maybe not be complacent. Yeah. And so just like the presence always when we're walking around, if I ever, so I've always been self-conscious since I started working with him. Like, are my hands in my pockets in front of the coach? You know? Yeah.
0: And there's other things too. Um, You know, just how are we standing? How are we sitting? What's our body doing to us and learning Hmm. from us? Because it goes both ways goes both ways. If we are, um, if we're feeling really unsafe, we'll, we'll kind of collapse. We'll pull back. Mm. And the more we pull back, the more we feel unsafe. So it's the circle. Mm. So it takes a leap of faith to say, okay, okay, I'll guess it like this. And sitting like this actually makes me feel better, more powerful. And the more powerful I feel, the straighter I sit. So it goes back and forth and back and forth. And I, I think I started learning this. You know, I said I started doing embodiment work seven, eight years ago. I really started doing embodiment work as a kid. Hmm. If I really think about it. It was through choir, actually, that <laughs> I learned how to breathe. I learned how to breathe from my, my diaphragm, from my belly, how to sit up straight. It was... Um, Actually, as an adult in martial arts, learning how to stand, learning that if I'm shifting weight, I'm probably uncomfortable about something. Mm. Yeah. You know, if I if I'm finding like I need to touch my, you know, something, it's usually because I'm uncomfortable about something. So it started keying me in like, oh, what else is happening right now? Like, I shouldn't feel uncomfortable, huh? I wonder why. And so start helping me go into, first of all, how am I holding my body? What's happening in my body? But is there something in here that I'm uncomfortable about that maybe I can work on?
1: Something that you said uh, is with regards to our posture. This is in the mm. past, not on so far on the show. But is our posture is directly correlated to our sense of integrity and trustability mm. in front of another person. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear your insight and your experience in terms of now bringing this into an intimate relationship, how have you seen this relate, impact, or influence the trustability or the connection between
0: uh, an intimate partner? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, It's the same as trust anywhere. We tend to trust what's solid Hmm. rather than what is kind of blowing in the wind. We see a, someone up on stage and or you know maybe on, on a podcast, and they're twitchy.
2: Hmm.
0: They're, they're looking around, and our body sends this message to us that they're not trustable. They might be super funny and entertaining and all these things, but we wouldn't necessarily leave our newborn with them. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not going to come out and come over babysit. Uh, so there's something about trustability, and, and one thing I like to do is actually just have someone look out the window Hmm. and and find a tree out there. And if you could trust a tree, so that's, can take a leap, right? (laughs) Tree is a tree, I don't know. (laughs) If you focus on the bottom of a tree or the top waving branches and you listen to your body, which do you trust more? I would imagine the bottom. Usually, right? The bottom is solid. Right? The bottom is it has roots. Right? It's not just grounded on the ground. It's rooted. It's into the ground. Like it, it's, mm. it's holding on down there. So if you could trust a tree, <laughs> right? You'd probably trust the stable, solid part more than the flowing part. So when we're coming into intimacy, well, in any relationship that works, when we're coming into intimacy, we're going to trust the person who's more solid. And in intimacy, to have a really powerful, amazing relationship, I think you need three things. Hmm. One is an alignment. Like we see the world in a complimentary way. We don't agree on everything, but we, we see it complementary way kind of going the same direction or direction that complements each other. The second thing is a, a devotion to the other person's well-being. Hmm. And the third thing is a polarity. And a polarity is where we get the charge of excitement, the passion, right? So we don't want polarity necessarily in a work relationship, right? We don't want polarity hmm. in other Places in life, but with our partner, whether it's the partner for a lifetime or the partner for that moment, we want this spark to really go. The way we get that spark is we have one person who's the bottom of the tree and the other person is the top of the tree. That's what we're looking for. And so in a romantic relationship, who's going to be the trunk? Who's going to be the leaves or the wind? And, and, and my teacher, John Weinland and, and others talk about masculine and feminine. Some will talk about alpha and omega. There's really not a great word for either of these places other than structure and flow,
2: hmm.
0: which still doesn't really encompass everything. But there's the structure, the sol- solidness, the solidity, and there's the flow, the movement. And when we get that, sparks fly. Sparks fly. So when our partner... Is feeling kind of blah, then we get to choose in our body. Am I going to help move them through this blahness? Mm-hmm. Like their blahness isn't our responsibility, right? It's their responsibility. But if we're in a relationship and we really care about their well being, their long term well being, there might be some place that we say, oh, but here's an opportunity that I can create, an opportunity for passion, for, for polarity. And so do I want to be more solid? Or do I want to flow? So, you know, wife might be lying down on the couch, you know, long day at work, long day at home, whatever it is, you know, just feeling kind of like, blah. And so I get to choose, am I going to come in and just with a nice deep breath, which might inspire some movement from her. If I stick with it long enough, She'll start to move and start to feel like, oh, wow. I can feel good in my body. It sounds, it sounds magical <laughs> and maybe even a little silly, but it works. The other thing is I could take the opposite side. She's already pretty still, right? What if I come in and I'm flowing? <laughs> right? What if I'm doing the dance? What if I'm like <sighs> sprinkling her with pixie dust? What if I'm, what if I'm the flow? that too. We all of a sudden create this spark. And in a long-term relationship or any kind of relationship, that's what we want. We want that spark. If we're both in that place of stillness for too long, we become buddies. Mm. Might be great partnering at raising kids, partnering at creating a business, partnering at doing something, but we're not going to be passionate about each other. Just won't. (laughs) <laughs> or if we're both flowy. I mean, the same thing. We're both flowy, flowy, flowy. Everybody's floating around, fleeing around the house. Like you don't even notice each other. Mm. This happened just this morning.
1: Oh. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> well, now, now that we're having this conversation, it's going to bring up more into my attention and my awareness. Mm-hmm. Like the unconscious ways and, and also the conscious ways that this shows mm-hmm. up. But uh, usually the flow for us in the morning is uh, I'll grab Luca around six six thirty, so Lauren can sleep, mm-hmm. and then when I come in, if he's hungry, a few hours later, and uh, you know she's just laying in the bed. I pass him, and yeah, I just I started being a goofball, <clears throat> just started moving around mm-hmm. and just getting animated mm-hmm. and like dancing and singing, and it was uh, an unconscious thing, but it was like also intentional to kind of break the. I don't know, break the stagnation, mm-hmm. I, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And just mm-hmm. like, it felt like my attempt to bring life into the room mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. like totally get her up. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting that you say that. So yeah. everything that you're already that you're saying, I'm like
0: tuning oh, into well, like, that makes how,
1: sense. how is that showing It totally
0: up? makes sense. And I wish I had known this years ago. <laughs> I wish I would known this. I, 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 I lead some of these programs. I've been in some of these programs with guys who are 20, 30 years younger than me. <laughs> And I've always, oh, if I had known that, <laughs> if I had known that. And then we have some guys who are in their 70s who look at me wow. and like, oh, if I would known that in my 50s or 60s, that would have been great. One of the things I, I figured out actually years before I started doing this men's work was with my daughter. When she was kind of fussy at night, she was, you know, nine months old, 10 months old in her crib, just kind of fussy. I would go sit in her room. It was dark. Just sit there on the floor and start breathing really heavy. As loudly as I could. I mean, it was really, I really amped it up for her. I won't <laughs> do it to a microphone, but really amped it up. And that settled her. That settled her fidgetiness. Now at 14, she'll hear me breathing and she'll say, I know what you're thinking. She's usually right, Whoa. <laughs> but I got her attuned to let me let me help you ease your nervous system, and that's a long-term relationship, also, right? As I said, you know, before three things you need for a long-term relationship are you know a, an alignment, a real dedication to their health and well-being, and and a polarity with a child. You don't need that kind of so you know. Certainly, we don't want the the sexual polarity. Let's make that really clear on this podcast. We don't want that with a child. But we do want the other things, Mm. right? A real dedication to their health and well-being. And part of that can be understanding polarities so that when they are agitated, we can breathe slowly. We can slow everything down. And that brings them back to grounding. Um, Naturally, we might do it. You know, as you do with your wife, you know this morning she was you know, not ready to start the day and you come in goofy right it's a it's a beautiful a, a beautiful way to to create that aliveness. I super appreciate that
1: and then what you shared earlier about the flip side of like when both people are completely stagnant, like I've been in that position too where we've watched shows for hours, and it's like there really isn't a spark that just naturally wants to come up it's and it's dead. It's dead. Mm-hmm. Like totally disconnected. It's like we're 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 in really close physical proximity, but the distance feels pretty, pretty far.
0: Yeah. You might be totally snuggled up on the couch. Yeah. Right. But still like it's 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 flat. So the person with the most awareness of it, the person who recognizes that, oh, This is totally flat, Hmm. which might be okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with like, okay, we're gonna snuggle on the couch, there's gonna be no polarity. And we're gonna, you know, salute each other as we say goodnight. (laughs) Right, bow to each other. That could be it. That'd be my fine. But the person who's more aware of it gets to say, Oh, I could change this moment. Hmm. I could breathe heavier, deeper. So in this term, it's like, I could out her, right? Or out-solidify her by being this, this structure. Or I could go the opposite direction. And I could get playful. And I could start, wiggle. I do not do much. I can just start moving my hips a little bit, right? <laughs> I don't know. I move my hips and you, you smile at least. <laughs> right? I, could, I could move my hips and my wife would just start to, like, she'd start to move. And then once she starts to move... I can let her keep going. I can go back to that solid place, which is literally where I feel most comfortable.
2: Mm.
0: And we typically have that place. We all have some varying degree of, I feel more comfortable in stillness Mm -hmm. or I feel more comfortable in movement. And we're all going to have a different combination of those. But knowing where we are and knowing where our partner is is super helpful. Mm. Ted, I'm so curious. In your
1: experience, I think intimacy in general is a really scary thing for people. Why is intimacy so scary a lot of times? What is it about that or how would you define intimacy? What comes up?
0: Wow, they're going to see me. Hmm. They're going to see me and they're not going to like me. Hmm. And I'm going to lose love. And, and, And see me like they're going to see me maybe physically they're going to see you know wrinkles in my body right or they're going to see that I'm you know my breasts are are not you know the same size or whatever it might be there's a fear of you're going to see me physically there's a fear of you're going to see me emotionally and there's nothing more raw than sex Mm-hmm. Right. So when we talk about sexual intimacy, that's really uh, you know, that 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 amazing place where we see each other. That's scary. that's scary for people. Um, there's a lot of shame. Mm. Especially when we talk about sexuality. Tremendous amount of shame. I grew up with a tremendous amount of shame around sexuality. Mm. And um it was something that was never spoken about. And so I grew up thinking we have to keep everything quiet. And so I had to go through my own journey of, oh, actually, I can be a sexual being. I can celebrate being a sexual being. It's not just okay, it's welcomed. Right? It's welcomed in you know, certain places more than other places, but it's welcomed by my partner. And that's because I had all these programs in me. All these stories in me. And if we go back to the beginning of the conversation about embodiment work. I had to move those stories through me. Hmm. I had to move it through me, working with, with my own shadows, right? Like sexual shadows, things I tried to, to hide from the world, hide from myself uh, through taboo work, you know, those things that I was afraid to bring out that actually the energy of them is welcome. Activity may not be welcome, might not be socially acceptable or acceptable to my partner, but the energy behind them was welcome. So I had to work that stuff through my body so that I could get to a place of of full naked intimacy. And and naked, not just physically, but really, here's me. That's not easy.
1: What was that process, if you don't mind sharing, what was that process like? Because now you teach intimacy mm-hmm. work, right? So I did. You're, If you really want to learn something, everyone says, like, go down the path of teaching. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you teach it now, and you've devoted a lot of your life in, in working on that and creating spaces mm-hmm. for people to deepen their intimacy with themselves and partners. And you just shared about how your background shunned that. Um, what was like the the middle part of that, if you could share a little bit of insight in terms of, yeah, what was that, that, um, like I just have a vision of like the fire element, like that transmutation, that transmutation phase in the beginning. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I came to this place of recognizing I needed to do things differently. I needed to go through life differently. And the, the sexual shame that I've been holding on to wasn't serving me it wasn't serving my partners Mm. (laughs) it wasn't probably serving the world Mm. Um, because how we understand our sexuality and embrace it has ripples everywhere
2: Mm.
0: which is probably a whole nother hour podcast (laughs) but it's how we you know know, my teacher would say it's how we fuck open the world (laughs) it's all it's all connected so it was um, going into practice, going into practice with the generosity of practice. So actually, in programs where I knew that the woman in front of me was there to serve me mm. by giving me feedback, like we spoke about earlier. Here's what I love. Here's what I want more of. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was practicing things. It was exchanging. Sexual energy without having sex, without getting naked, right? Without doing a lot of of those things that we usually think about for sexual intimacy. But it was helping me understand my own beauty, my own power. And it was calling out from people, like, here's what I want more of. And um, I told you a little story before we started about how I met my wife And we really start our relationship as practice.
2: Hmm.
0: So we've built that in. We've built dialogue into our relationship, you know, constructive dialogue. We've built experimentation into our life. Um, Every night, we have a beautiful practice that we do, a beautiful praise practice that we do together just as a way of deepening the intimacy and celebrating each other, so, you know, celebrating that little dimple, celebrating that little thing that would be called an imperfection, celebrating that that achy part of your heart or that uh, that place that you want to cover up. Mm. And so there wasn't just one, like there wasn't that, as you say, kind of like that crucible, that, that fire moment. There was a realization I need to do things differently. And... It was a slow process. Hmm. And I do this because I think it's this work that heals the world.
2: Hmm.
0: And that's really my own... That's that's the thing I've been working on since I was 12. Was how do I bring healing to the world? And I've done it in different ways. I've done it you know, with political action. I've done it... As a, uh, a religious leader, I've done it in different arenas, but it's the relationship place that I've stepped into over the last number of years, or I've stepped in it this way over the last number of years, that I think really brings the most healing. If we can bring two people together in this place of, of total intimacy, of loving, fierce intimacy... And it not only heals their hearts, but I think it heals a lineage
2: mm.
0: in some cases, and I think that ripples out and heals the world. And that's that's why I do this work, is because there's that thing at the end, there's that healing of the world at the end. And so, you know, I, I take people through these steps of communication, and and help people break down those those stories that they hold on to, that are really just holding them back. Right? It's a story of how I grew up. It's a story of my last relationship. It's a story of something you did last March that you may not even remember, but I'm still holding it against you. Mm-hmm. You know, It's going through those stories and saying, okay, my body can actually let go of those stories. They're not helping anyone.
1: You had said with your wife, it started as a practice. Mm-hmm. Can you share, and I imagine this comes up in the men's work or the guys who are doing like stepping into polarity mm-hmm. work, what advice or what have you seen, like for example, someone who has an intimate partner at home, Mm -hmm. but then goes off and does this met polarity work and is practicing with another lady. Mm -hmm. How have you seen that? uh, Because their committed partner, for example, is at home and not a part of that experience. How have you found the ability to do that in a safe way, in a a way that just honors everybody involved?
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, communication. (laughs) One, Um, my wife was involved also, or got involved pretty soon after I started working there, working with these, you know, in these, in these workshops and assisting. And so she saw what we did and, Mm. and, and was part of the, of the community. Um, But one that was understanding, you know, what are the boundaries? And there are lots of different programs going on around the world. I don't know, my my feed is just kind of inundated with people doing (laughs) programs. And they all have some kind of boundaries. So it's making sure that you and your partner are both okay with those boundaries. In fact, not just okay, that you're both supportive Mm. of those boundaries. So the boundary might be that there's no touch. There's only certain touch. Um, It might be that, you know, full nudity and, and intercourse is on the table. And none of those are good or bad. Um, the good bad comes when you're doing one thing and your partner thinks you're doing another thing. Okay. So real clear conversation. So I I will I will tell people who are coming on their own, have the conversation. Yeah. As some of these programs, you know, a, a woman you don't know, or maybe you've just met might be sitting on your lap. Like, is that going to be okay with your wife? And for some of them, it's absolutely fine, and for some of it's not. And so, the workshops I run, at least, we get to say no. Mm. Like, here's my parameters. I know the workshop rules are X, Y, Z, but I also have this other letter, (laughs) right? (laughs) I don't want you to. I don't don't want you to uh, to do that. Like, I know it's okay for people to sit on laps here, but actually, I don't want that. Okay. Which is a great practice, actually, for everyone. One is it helps that person who's speaking own their own nose, And the other person's getting triggered like hell out of this, right? <laughs> Why don't they want me to sit on their laps, right? Whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, but it's a great practice for them to be a yes to the person's no. Be a yes to the person's no. Yeah. Hmm. So you don't want to sit on my lap? Wow. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. I'm a full yes to that no. There might be part of me that's like, oh, that's disappointing. But there's a bigger growth place in there. Because how often does someone say no to us? Right? And we get all bent out of shape. And we make stories about it. You know, they would have said yes to the person next to me because he's better looking. or Whatever whatever it might be. um, Or something happening at home. So how can we learn to be a yes to someone's no? That's super helpful. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Welcome. If you're open to it as we kind of head towards the the end of today we're gonna I'd love to keep going coming back and Mm -hmm. doing more of these. Would you be down to share the praise practice that you do with your wife and you introduce to us Mm -hmm. in the in the circle? Sure. Yeah, please.
0: Sure. Um I'd like to praise you for the refreshing voice that you bring to men's work the joy that you bring the sincerity that you bring the intention of what you're doing and the attention to how you're doing it it's really uh, it's really profound And, and it's it lands in me as a gift to the world thank you you're welcome what else can I praise you for <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> right? and I can't say, no. I, and I can't say that. no. I can't
1: say no. So I'd like to be praised for the courage it's taken to transition into this work mm. and to to do so as much as possible from a place of my heart. And uh, and the courage that took in many different areas of my life. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to make any change, and and the way you've done it, just with heart open. Here is my here is my offering hmm. to the world. I'm able to do this offering while holding my growing family, right? While holding men, while holding human beings, which is super you know, precious, right? Um I'll praise you for all this beautiful open hearted work you're doing and how you've made that transition. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Can we can we play it with you? I got nothing to be praised for. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean let me just let me just voice this. The reason this is important mm. is one as I'm saying this to you, you know, hopefully you're feeling seen. Mm. The other thing is, it helps me attune to what someone else is doing in the world. And then when we flip it, when you have to come up with something, right? Most of us are like, oh, I didn't do anything today. Like, I put my socks on. I was like, that was my big (laughs) thing today. (laughs) Right? What am I going to be praised for? Um, But it helps us evaluate our lives. You know, maybe it's not the putting on the socks, Uh, maybe it's the, I showed up with an open heart today. So it's not a thanks. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you would thank someone for. Mm. Like, thank you for bringing me some water. I praise you. That's not really, That's you should, that's great. <laughs> it's more of a praise. I see you. I see you. Region. I may have benefited from it, like you may have brought me the water, but it might be a I praise you for being this amazing host. Right? That would feel different. So it makes you come up with something to say. And then also for the person who then says it, we have to go through like, okay, like, can I praise them for that? Like, is that something to be praised for? So, can I find that place in me? And that was easy, what you gave me. But can I find that place in me that's that little kernel that says, oh, yeah, that's worth praise? And then can I expand it? It's like blowing on an ember, right? Blowing it bigger and bigger so that that praise is something now that can just come out. So it, it's like, it, it's it's so many directions. And what I found is it creates beautiful connections. So I do it every night with my daughter, hmm. my 14-year-old. Wow. And I do it every night with my wife. And it's a, I do it as often as I can. It's a beautiful practice.
1: One thing that I love about that is in relationship, at least in my experience and as I'm learning, sometimes either the disconnect or like the... Um, Challenge is when there's something that's left unsaid. Mm. And so, what the little that I've practiced this with you and brought it home a little bit with Lauren is it's been a way of like, what's left unsaid, which is that second piece, especially like, how do I want to be praised? And oftentimes she has no idea or the other person has no idea that that's actually something that I've been longing for so Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's a way to be seen and then to really say what's, so that there's nothing left unsaid. And that's just such a beautiful place to be in, in a relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. Often with my wife, we've turned the lights out already. Hmm. we're snuggled up, we're spooning in bed, we're about to go to sleep. Anyway, I want to praise you for something. So in the dark of night, just to feel that as you go to sleep is a pretty pretty special way to go to sleep.
1: It's amazing. Thank yeah. you, Ted. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Well, my friend, as we close off today... I want to thank you again for your time and sharing everything that you did. You're welcome. Uh, and I know you're involved in a lot of different works and a lot of different capacities. And I feel fortunate enough, like we started in the beginning, that you live locally. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. feel very blessed and grateful that we met. And for someone seeking out your work, whether it's men's work or intimacy work, or I think you even do stuff with businesses as well, how can people find you and if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit about the the
0: direction people can go in their work with you. Yeah. So all my all my work is about around relationships. Okay. So I've cut back some of my business stuff, um, even though I was bringing the same kind of structure and flow mm. into into that work, mostly with chiefs of staff and their execs and stuff like that. Um, but mostly work with with individuals and couples right now, and and we we dive into this kind of work that is is based on changing their own bodies so that they can show up differently let go of some of those old stories we use different methods to get there some are some are physical methods some are other methods um think you you said how how could they get me yeah how could they get
1: in touch with you if they want and we'll include some links
0: as well for sure uh tedrider.com this is one t and writer tedrite And if you watch this podcast, if you do tedrider.com slash bonus, there's a bonus for you. Dude, amazing. There you go. Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome.
1: <laughs> thank you. Well, Ted, thank you again for everything. Uh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah, not just being here, but in the support that you've given me and Lauren in the relatively short time that we've known each other. Uh, I really
0: appreciate you. Thank yes. you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks
1: for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.